All right. Today on Touch the Line podcast, we have a friend of mine um, who I've known for a couple of years. And I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I've, I love your salon. I've been in it. But just seeing the growth, that's why I wanted to bring her on today so we can have this conversation about her leadership and growth and like, what what have you done well? <laughs> what are some things that maybe you haven't done well? Because we all have those in our back pocket. But everyone, uh, welcome Michelle Rouser from 40 Volume in one of my favorite cities, Savannah, Georgia. Michelle, welcome to Touch Salon. Thanks, Evan. I'm so excited to be here today. All right. So Savannah, how long have you been in Savannah? Are you born and raised there or? Uh, I moved to Savannah when I was 14. And then went to college for a little bit, had every intention of going off to business school, and then on a whim, decided to go to hair school instead and go back. My plan was to go back to get my business degree. And once I started in the hair world, I was like, no way. These are my people. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and then, so yeah, so I've kind of been in Savannah ever since. I married a, an army boy, but unfortunately, I or no, fortunately, excuse me, I have actually been able to stay in Savannah and he's kind of geo-batched it. And so I've been in Savannah for, geez, I guess it's been almost 30 years now. So All right. I'm going to go ahead and correct you. It's an army man, not army boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit that out if you want me to. Uh, no, no, he's my army boy and man. Our, <laughs> so, uh, give us, you gave us a little bit of backstory. When did you start 40 volume? I started 40 volume in 2008. Okay, 2008, and you were a stylist at the time. Uh, why, why did you start a, a salon? So I really, I wanted to start a salon because I was working in like a really unhealthy salon environment. I worked for, you know, a company that, you know, like great intentions. And I think sometimes we let kind of like working with our spouses, which I'm, Evan, I'm sure you can understand how difficult it can be at times, kind of. No, sometimes it's know. hard. No, it's not at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I was working for a salon that just was not going well. There was just a lot of drama and a lot of unnecessary personal life like kind of getting in the way from my salon owner back then. And I really, truly wanted to create a salon that people could come to work. You never had to worry about anything as far as like the structure of your, your salon. Like, you know, like you knew that like, Hey, it might be crazy in the salon world, but I'm going to leave my personal life at the door as much as possible. And so I really wanted to create a space that uh, everyone felt safe in and everyone felt that they could kind of thrive and survive. We're in the salon more than we're not. And so I wanted it to be an environment that people would rather be at than dread coming to. And so that was kind of where the vision came from. My, I guess he was my boyfriend at the time. Man, we might've been engaged. I can't remember. My memory has gone over these past 15 years of owning a salon. Um, but my, we, he had the dream of opening or owning a commercial property and I had the dream of owning a salon. So it was kind of like two worlds coming together. And when we were in contract to purchase the salon that I was working in and it kind of fell through just based off of numbers and it, we were buying the building at the same time from them. So it just kind of got cloudy and 
and it didn't wind up working out. So I was super defeated. I of course was, gosh, I was 23 maybe. And I I felt like tears worked and and we're going to get me what I wanted. And so he, my husband, um, fiance boyfriend at the time was getting ready to go on a deployment. And so we were like, kind of the time was of the essence to find a place. And somebody had just said, Hey, go drive by this property and go take a look at it. And it was something I had never thought about or an area of town I'd never thought about. And I remember pulling up that day, it was pouring rain and I pulled up and I just knew that that was it, you know? And so that was where it was kind of where it started. And that was in 2008. One thing that you said, you just kind of, you kind of brush past. I want to stop because I was talking to someone the other day about everyone we interview in the company and probably same thing with you is they all come out of school and they all want to own their own salon. So I always ask them, Hey, why do you want to own your own salon? Cause I don't want to like, I don't want to be a dream crusher. Cause that was your dream. That was my wife's dream. And but I think we all got a rude awakening of what we thought it would be and what it is. And I've never ever heard anybody tell me they want to open a salon because of people. It's always about, I want to do what I want to do. It's my schedule. And, you know, we could argue if those are the right things, but the wrong or right things. But I think it was, I think it was awesome that you're like, I want to own my own salon so I can create a space for people so that we can do X, Y, and Z. And that, that's such a, a beautiful thing. So when you started in 2000, 2008, how many did you, did you have a group of people working with you or was it just you? It was me and one other stylist. Um, and so I was scared to death cause I had a mortgage to pay and we started with only four chairs back then. I think it was like roughly 900 square feet was really all that we could afford. I remember the banks laughing at us. Like you want to buy oh, yeah. a commercial property at 23 years old. Like you're crazy. Good luck. Um, and so it was really small. I think it was, like I said, 900 square feet and myself and one other stylist came over with me. He and I had been working together at the the last salon, uh, that I was trying to buy. And so he came over and I, I just, I did have a pretty good clientele based up, you know, base set up. And I think that was important to me. I wanted to feel like I was, I was, and I was probably only going maybe a mile and a half away from where that salon was that I was working in. So that was important to me to be able to make sure that it was in a great location that my clientele could travel with me. So yeah, it was just he and I, uh, we stayed in there, together for a little bit. And then we brought on, um, our first, my first other stylist, you know, like I kind of brought in and she had just gotten out of hair school. So I looked back and it was kind of like an associate, you know, program, but I had no idea what I was doing and just brought her in and brought her under my wing. And she kind of stayed with us for, for a good while. And then we just grew one at a time from there. So 900 square feet, you had four chairs what do you have? You have two locations now and your main location. Uh, how many square feet do you have and how many chairs? Uh, so we are, the main salon floor is 5,000 square feet. We have 25 hair chair, hair stations. We have five skin aesthetic lash rooms. And then we also have like about another 1500 square feet of like our back room area and our associate education room. So we're roughly 6,500 square feet now in, I love one, that in our 
Main your back area and educating <laughs> is bigger than the sl- that our building we're in right now. This which is- office that we're sat I'm sitting in right now is probably half of the size of the old salon. Wow! It's wow. so fun. That's amazing. So fun. And you just launched a, another location. We did in November. I um, opened up our second salon location, and that is there's six. It's about fourteen hundred square feet. There's six chairs and two treatment rooms. And then we do still own our original, my original salon location. I do still own that location. We, I guess it's almost been two years now. We turned it into a barber shop whenever we moved from there and moved to our new location. Awesome. And so when did, so you went from four chairs to 25. When did all this start happening? Did it happen overnight? Did it happen over a few years or? So I, Along learned along the way that for me, my model was better to kind of work at things one step at a time. So I was always, you know, I always had this grand vision of what my ideal salon would look like. I basically just kind of took where I was and I maxed out my space and I did it again and again and again. So like I started with four chairs and then we added two more chairs in that 900 square feet. And then I would change the look. I changed probably the layout of that salon 65 times. I can't even remember how many times Char- Charlie is my husband's name. He would come home from deployment and I'd be like, okay, babe, I got a new idea for this salon and I want to <laughs> move it around like this. And so I literally just took that 900 square feet and I maximized and I squeezed every inch I could out of that space. So towards the end of maxing out the max space there, I went from four chairs to eight chairs in that 900 square feet. I literally put a chair in the window. I put a chair, I took out like our waiting area and I condensed that down. Um, I literally just kept trying to get creative because I wanted to make sure that I could afford that mortgage before I decided to take on the next step. So we maxed out downstairs or the main part of the salon to eight chairs. And then I got the opportunity to buy the, the way that the the building was, was there's like three commercial spaces downstairs and there was two apartments that were upstairs. And so all the other commercial spaces were taken. So I couldn't expand, you know, to the left, but I decided, well, let's get creative. And I expanded up and I took over an apartment that was upstairs. And it was kind of one of those situations where I took over a side of it. The thing that I had to keep reminding myself was it it might not be the ideal salon location that I wanted, but I just learned to make things work. You know, I you did you you had to go out the back door of the main salon to get up to the to the top floor. So I didn't love that, but then I just kind of got created and and made a great little fence area so when you walked out the back door it looked good and it had good aesthetics for people and um it did it kind of made sense to it so then I expand into the to the one bedroom side of the upstairs and that was when I decided to try to do like nails and massage. So I I decided that like upstairs, I was going to make it more like a spa environment. And then downstairs, we would focus mostly on hair. 
And so I learned quickly to stick with what I'm good at. Massage was not our, I am, I am way too loud of a, of a person to, to be in a, in a massage environment. So I quickly learned that that wasn't going to work. And I just was like, okay, there's one massage bed that I can fit two hair chairs in this room where this massage bed was. So I just kind of decided to take out the massage bed and put in two hair chairs and then. We were up there in that situation for probably five years and then maxed out the space and busted through the hallway. There was like a hallway that connected the two apartments upstairs. So I just busted through that hallway and took over the the next side of the apartment and expanded that year. And I added, you know, two lash artists and I created like a wedding area. And that was the first time that I ever actually had an office. So I think it was year seven, maybe, before I had an office in space, inside, maybe even a little bit later than that. Are you commission, booth rental, team-based pay? Like, how are you operating at this point? We are a full commission salon. I've always okay. been a commission salon from day one. Um, it's just something that I believe in. I believe that we can make commission salons work to give people career homes that they want to grow long careers with. And I am a control freak in the sense of I like to be able to control that client experience. I don't want to control yeah. my stylist to an extent, you know, I want them to have their freedom, but I want to be able to control that, that client experience. And so that's important to me. Yeah. And build, build the brand, be like, this is what we are. This is the brand. Uh, This is what the client experience we would like for it to be. One thing that you talked on that I want to go back to is you kept saying, we maximize that space. We maximize that space. That was, I talked to a lot of salons and they're this, they have their salon and then they're like in a uh, strip mall and then the place beside them opens up and they're like, it's opened up. Should I take it? And I'm like, well, are you maximizing every square inch that you have now? And most of the time it's no. And I remember we were coached that years and years ago and we, we laughed at it. We're like, what? And like, if you came in our salon, we use every square inch of that salon. Well, we don't have a waiting area. Like, you know, you, you could argue like I would think a waiting area for somebody to sit is kind of wasted space. Now we'll have spaces in the new uh, building, but you kept, you didn't say, "Oh, that came available. Let me just force it." It's like, nope, that's it. This is the time to max. And like, yeah, your space wasn't. I've been there. It wasn't like ideal. Mm-mm. It was like you, like you said, you had to go outside up the stairs, uh, but you made it work. Your parking. You haven't even mentioned that. People are parking oh. like, if, if you can imagine if you've been to Savannah, like downtown, like, I mean, there's not like parking a lot. So you had to like mm-hmm. find a spot on the, the street and the staff. I don't know how y'all parked in the back, but y'all stacked it in there. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was chaos, but it was structured and it worked. So, yeah. all right, continue your story. Um, you started expanding, expanding, and how are, how are you getting people in? Are you just building momentum in the uh, area, and like, is it word of mouth? Are you visiting schools? Why are people coming to Forty Volume? 
Yeah. So I, I remember that that was one thing that I was kind of nervous about when we decided to buy that that new space. Um, the salon, the original salon that I was going to buy was on one of our main streets and in, in uh, an area in Savannah. And so the traffic, it was like an A location, you know? And so I was so set on making sure that I found an A location. And then when that fell through, my plan B was more like a B and C location. And so I was really nervous and I was like, okay, this could either go really, really well in the neighborhood because it was, it's, it was more in, in the middle of a neighborhood. There, um, was nothing next to me in the, in that little center when I first went in there. And then there was like a rundown church next to me. And then a, a running shoe store was the only thing on this kind of side road. It was not, not the thorough road, main road. And so what I did was I just kind of hit the ground running. I, because I moved into a neighborhood area, I truly tried to support that neighborhood as much as possible. If they were doing events, you know, in the park or whatever, I put, I put up a booth. I made sure I was there. I was giving away, you know, cups or koozies or whatever it was, just trying to make sure that that I supported that community and that neighborhood because I wanted them to support me. And so that really, for the first 10 years of my salon being open, I grinded and I made sure that if there was a festival, um, there's like always like food truck festivals, dog carnivals, like there are. I can only imagine how much stuff is going on in Savannah. Oh, my, my employees did not love me for a while because (laughs) I mean, my husband was gone. He was deployed to God only knows what country. So I was like, let's go. I'm ready. You know? The one thing I tried to tried to remind myself though back then was that if I expected them to be there, I was always going to be there as the oh, owner. Say, so that, say that again. It was very important to me that if I expected my team and my staff to be there, it was really important that I was there to be be there and to support them. I'm very big on what I expect of them. I need to expect of myself as well. And so I was there with him, painting dogs in the park for the the Humane Society Dog Carnival. We still do that to this day. Um, and you we said love paint, it. like yeah. So there's a dog friendly, like it's kind of like that hair color paint that you paint. And so it's dog friendly. It's called pet paint is what it's called. And you literally spray like stencils on, on their back or their butt cheek or whatever. It's so cute. Like you can spray their mohawk. It is honestly, if you're looking for some fun way to get involved in the community, they love it. And it's so much fun and we love it. So that was kind of how we we just got involved with the community. How we got clientele to come in was because if there was an opportunity for me to be involved in it, I did. I put my name out there. I put myself out there and we just kind of made sure that we went. We... I was very big on like, we would walk around the neighborhood. If we were slow, we created door hangers, make sure that you don't like, you can only hang them on their door, on their mailbox and not actually on their door. You know, certain cities have different rules about that stuff, but we did that. Um, when the girls were slow, they would, I would send them with gift baskets full of like candy and cards and samples and stuff and drop them off at banks and schools and hospitals and doctor's offices and anything and everything we could do to just kind of make people be like, Oh, I've heard those people, you know? And then you, you work, you worked for it. Like yeah. to have people come in, it wasn't just like, 
oh, I just stumbled upon this, you know, where people are mm-hmm. wanting, like you worked for it. You were out, you were doing door hangers or mailbox hangers. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think anybody listening to this knows what their city is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't so. have social media and Instagram back then. So it was on the ground. All right. So continue your story. You're, you're, you're starting to get momentum. You're, you're in your, uh, your building before and you keep maximizing the space. And then you probably get to a point and you're like, I'm running out of space. I'm running out of space room. I want to say the year before we moved from our old location, we doubled in size. So I think we went from 14 employees to 24 employees in that one space. And like Evan said earlier, there was no parking. It was how we... I go there to visit the barbershop now and I have no idea how we made it work. But it's just one of those things. And I feel that's, again, that's so important as a leader is that we have to remind ourselves that we have to make lemonade out of lemons. You know, our how we narrate things truly comes through to our staff. So it was just like, is this ideal? No, but we're making it work. We're making great, you know, we're making great strides. We're building good na- a good name for us. And because I owned the building, I really didn't have any plan of ever moving from that area. I thought eventually I would get... There was like a a photographer downstairs. Eventually I would get her to sell to me and I would have that whole building was my original dream. Um, But that didn't work out. And so I was like, okay, well, what's next? You know? And so we had just gotten to a point to where I could tell that the stress of how big we were growing, we would have to run up and down stairs. Like it was just not ideal. It wasn't great. I was worried that a client was going to slide down the stairs. I just was very worried about things. And I could also sense like the stress on the neighborhood too with the parking and all of that. And so it's important to me to be a good community member, you know, to our neighbors and everything. And so that was when I was like, all right, we're maxed out. It's kind of time for us to figure out what we're doing. But sometimes in business, we kind of get discouraged a little bit at times too. And so I was like, okay, I already own this building. How am I going to find something that number one, I can afford that is as big as I want it to be with parking in Savannah is next to impossible. And so my husband and I decided that we were going to start looking for new commercial property. And, and that was a struggle. I mean, more tears that doesn't work anymore. Unfortunately, it it didn't work to the realtors. It didn't work to my husband. It didn't work to anybody. Just the tears when a a deal would fall through, I would be so heartbroken and discouraged. And, you know, my husband was like, that's not it. It's not our building. It's not what we're supposed to, to go for. And so my my husband found this building that we were in and it was an old auto body shop. The the family that we bought it from had owned it for 70 years. It was owned, family owned and run. And they had been able to buy over that 70 years. Like it's like a city block. It was seven different or seven different commercial buildings that they had bought. My husband loved it. It was less than desirable in my opinion. He drove me by here and I was like, absolutely not. This is Oh, it wasn't moving ready? Oh my God. It was so bad. It was, you, I like, I should email you the photos of it so that you could have them for before. It was so bad. And I was like, you are insane. You only want it because it's a car, an auto body shop for all those garages. Cause he's a classic car junkie. And so I fought it so bad. And I was like, this is not my, I can't see it. So then he just kept, we just kept driving by it. And so and it was expensive and I didn't think we could afford it too. So I would think I was in my mind telling me I didn't want it because I didn't think that we would get approved for it or could afford it. And so 
we just kept an open mind and he's like, keep an open mind, keep going by it. And so I finally did. And I went in and I fell in love and I was like, okay, I see the potential. I see. I always wanted that industrial chic kind of look to a salon, that big open environment and, and something out of the ordinary and different. And believe me, this was out of the ordinary and different. So we wound up having to use and to partner with the SBA. You know, you hear so many kind of horror stories over, not horror stories, but just kind of, stories over over the time that you're like, I don't know if I should go SBA. Do you pay all the fees? Do you go that route? You know, do you wait till you can afford something on your own? And that kind of thing. And so I, I we decided to partner with SBA because honestly that was the only way that we could get this large of a property. And I truly recommend partnering with the SBA. It really is a way for us to be able to kind of grow our business with support of, you know, an organization that has been around. Yes, there are more fees that are intact with it and then go along with it, but I wouldn't be able to be here if I didn't have their support along the way. So we partnered with SBA and we were able to purchase the building and, um, so then started the renovation on a 70 year old auto body shop. And- <laughs> well, that's good to know about the SBA because uh, we're traveling down that road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about the culture. You're crammed into this building that's not ideal. Is the team just coming in like loving every minute? Or are they kind of looking at you being like, hey, obviously, you know, it's getting a little tight in here. What's next? Yeah. So at that point, some of our original staff had kind of been like, Michelle, you cannot hire any more people. Like, what are you doing? You know? And and so that back then too, when we were crammed in that building was when we started working with like the associates and, and bringing in, so, you know, bringing in more support system for them. And I could sense that they were just kind of questioning like, all right, slow it down, Michelle. Where are you doing? You cannot cram us in here anymore. You know, what is the plan? What is going on? And so I could sense a little bit of that, like uneasiness or not kind of nobody. I could sense that they were not quite sure where my vision was going and what was where things were going with it. So I definitely could sense that, but it was still just, you know, then was such a great, you know, it, we were all just kind of grinding and doing our thing and going. And they, they knew that we were then that kind of started that vision of like, okay, it's time for us to move. It's time for us to make changes and, and and spread our wings a little bit further. So then I think they kind of could see like, all right, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. Right. Are you you guys split shifting at this point? There at the old location? No. Okay. We were not split shifting at that point. Um, and we were not open. We were only open five days a week at that point. Um, so no, we were all crammed in there. You know, it was not split shifting. It was, there were 24 of us in, in that location and it was just a lot at all yeah. times. And like I said, we had no break room. I remember we were, we had like a kitchen that we turned into the color bar and I put up like a fake wall. So you would have to sit on top of the counter, on top of the counter to be able to eat your lunch. And it just, it ha- it, like I said, it was crazy. I don't know how we did it, but you just made it work and to yeah. figure out what's next. When did you step away from behind the chair? So I stepped away from behind the chair after COVID. So that truly was like the the biggest blessing in disguise for me. I kind of started to feel like I was suffocating. My staff was growing and I could sense that like I couldn't 
be there for everybody. Like I, I, I was trying to be present for my client, but then I could tell that my staff were suffering when I was present with my client. And then when I'm with my client, I could tell that my client was getting irritated because I was being pulled away in a million different directions. And so, um, so COVID, when COVID happened, we were still in our old location. And we were limited on space. And so that kind of gave me the best opportunity to just say, okay, like I, it's time for us to come back, but we can only come back in limited, uh, limited space and limited ability. So I just could not take away a chair from one of my employees. Like we, we could only use so many stations. There was no way that I was going to come back and, and say that I needed to make money. I needed to allow my staff to kind of take over and yeah. use whatever space we have. And so at that point was when I had pulled away. And so it was hard, you know, I still had those few clients that were kind of holding on, but to me, it was the best blessing because it, I think it forced me to kind of just pull the bandaid off because we had you, um, or else I think I probably would still be behind the chair a little bit for like three people or something like that. But right. with, with COVID it happened. And I truly will say that that was the biggest blessing was to be able to kind of step away and truly focus on my salon and, and where we were going and what we were doing next. With leadership. So you started out, it was you and another person in 2008. I'm just going to assume you can correct me, but leading one other person, leading four people, it's a little bit easier. I always say I can lead seven people really, really well. Like, over seven, I'm I'm kind of getting into that manager, like I'm really like getting to know and lead people effectively. Now, how many people do you have underneath the AV8 uh, and 40 volume? So we roughly have about 56-ish under both, um, under all the umbrellas. Yeah, so that's a lot. So tell me some things that you learned in your leadership this is where we're going to end part one. What a great conversation. What we're going to do is next week, we'll release part two to dive into the leadership and the culture. What was winning in the culture with all the growth and what was not winning. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to Touch the Line.